0: Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to another episode of the Revolutionary Podcast. So today we are getting close to the end of the Book of Acts, and guys, my sermon—we're going to get into my sermon now—and and really a sermon and. It's kind of always connected to songs that we sing. We try to pick songs that declare truth. And when I, when I go to preach a sermon, my big goal every single year, every single week, is to highlight the truth of God and confront the, the lies of this world. I mean, you can't compare truth without comparing it to something else. And so my goal is always to say, here's the truth of God, and we're going to A, compare it to the lies of the enemy, and we're going to see which one's real, which one's fake. Now, that can be a really hard thing to do uh, it, for some people. And we're going to talk about that why, but um, speaking of real and fake, I know that my kids were showing me these videos and this is a popular thing. I don't know if, is anyone aware of the videos called cake or fake? You ever seen one of those videos on YouTube? There's a lot of challenges out there that you can look up and it's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, you're trying to figure it out. Like, this, is it real? Is it not? And uh, there's, uh, when you do the video, I, I was able to say, okay, I was right on that one. That looks like cake. And it was cake. And I was like, no, that has to be real. And no, it was cake. And so it's so hard to tell the difference. And I'm sure you would have done that too because of the presentation, right? I mean, did any of those things look like cake? No, they all look, I mean, especially that, that uh, crock at the beginning, right? I mean, all of those things look like the, the real deal. But in reality, it's not because of the presentation. And the thing, guys, is that a lot of times, there's a lot of lies out there in the world that mask themselves like the truth of God. And it's, it's meant to look like the real thing. Even smell like the real thing. Maybe even feel like the real thing. But when you bite into it, it's not. It's a little different. You know, I mean, the... We believe in the devil and demons, man, and they want to do everything possible to stand and build every illusion between the knowledge, the true knowledge of who God is. And especially for us, there's something in us, guys, that also makes it different. Because it's not only when we look at the, the, the world and the truth claims of the world, not only is it hard for us to tell the difference between what is the truth of God and what is fake because of the presentation that the world does, but also because of your own prejudice and preferences. Sometimes the enemy's going to package something in a way that it's going to, you're going to like it. And I'm like, ooh, that, it feels right. It feels right. It, it, that ought to be right. So it must be true. And it's not. That happens all the time. And, this, and there's an also another one between our prejudice and our own preferences. Sometimes God can be screaming the plain truth in front of you. But there could be something in you like, no, I don't want that. I want this, right? There could be the truth of God right in front of you. It's going to look like a turtle, but it's the truth. And you're like, ew, if it ain't from Publix, I don't want it, right? And so, you know, we have those preferences there. And that's the thing, that's the dangerous thing, guys, when it comes to us. Because there is a lot of things that we have, there's a lot of things that you and I have done this, and people do it every day. They build their life on a foundation of what they think it's true, but it's false. It's fake, And so we're going to look at today, as we look at this rounding out third base, heading towards home at the end of this book, we're going to look at what happens when you actually believe the real truth claims of God. What happens when you believe it to be true? And it is. And what happens when you choose what's fake? All right, that's what we're going to look at today. So before we put up the verse, we're going to look at uh, Acts chapter 28, verses 23 and 29. But I'm just going to skim through uh, 11 verses. So when last time where we left, just to catch some people up, we left Paul. He's been on this road to Rome. And it has been a bumpy, rocky road, literally. And so he had been shipwrecked on an island of Malta and... um, God supernaturally saved their lives uh, over in this uh, storm, in in, the ship, and then he gets bitten by a snake, a venomous snake, doesn't die. And then the irony is, He's infected by, he should be getting sick and dying, but he doesn't. And then he goes to people who are sick and dying, and they get healed by what God is doing. And so revival breaks out, and that's where we left Paul on the island. And so in verse, chapter 28, verse 11, Luke says that they were there three months on this island. All right, three months there. And in fact, they said they finally, after the point, they got on this Alexandrian ship that had been there, and on the boat was the twin gods at the figurehead. Now, I want you, you've seen pirate movies. I, I love Pirates of the Caribbean. You've, you've seen the boats that have, you know, the, the image at the, the beginning, right? The, at the front, it's either a mast or some kind of a mannequin. Sometimes they paint it on the sides, right? Our boats today, we have the names where, right? On the back or something like that. So here, these, this ship had two gods, the sons of Zeus, one on the other at the front of the ship. Uh, that's a detail for later. So they go, Luke gives a travel log. We're going to skip through that. He finds some Christians along the way. and they finally make it to Rome. This is where all of this is culminating. Everything has been standing against Paul and trying to fulfill God's destiny to get to Rome, and he makes it. He arrives. And there he actually meets with some more Christians. Um, yeah, and there's actually a verse 15. He finds Christians in Rome and around the Italy, and it says he took courage. He thanked God and took courage. And that's another one for some of you that if you've been with me for the year or if you want to binge watch some stuff later. Man, how many times have we come up with that word in this book? Take courage. Be encouraged. Take courage. Be encouraged. All right. And here he was encouraged. Why? Well, uh, when Paul shows up in Rome, this had been three years since he actually wrote the book. Of Romans. Some of you have read the book of Romans before. That's the book actually right next to Acts. And so the book of Romans, Paul wrote it before ever showing up. Three years after writing the letter, three years after sending it to the church, he shows up to see a congregation, a people in which God had been at work. And so he was like, oh wow. It's, you know, he was really encouraged to see how the word of God did a mighty work. That was pretty cool. And so he got to finally catch up with some people there. He's under house arrest because he's under, you know, he's some you know, weird thing. Y'all got to catch up to catch it out. But he's, uh, he's under house arrest and he meets with some Jewish leaders. He can't go to them because he's under Jewish, uh, not Jewish, Roman custody. So he invites the Jewish leaders to come to him. And he pretty much gives him this spiel. listen, this is who I am. He, by now, he's a pretty known individual. Everybody knows who he is. And he's are like saying, this is how I got here. Yes, some of our brothers, some Jewish guys back in the day retells a story that we've been talking about for about a month. Yeah, they you know, said I was doing something. They lied. I wasn't doing it, but I got arrested. They tried to kill me. I tried to plead for help here and there. Long story short, here I am. All right. And I'm on my way to Rome. I'm on my way to appeal to Caesar. And so I don't know if you've heard about any of these things. What's a beautiful thing too, when you look into it, I'm, gonna, I'm just giving you guys breadcrumbs to check out. Paul, when talks about those who falsely accused him, who are the reason why he has been and suffering for the last three years, it actually says, I hold nothing against them. He is 100% forgiven his, those brothers that had falsely, that wanted him dead, truly forgave him. Hadn't held nothing against him. And that's, guys, honestly, that is the power of who God is. And so that is an encouraging. If some of you guys have some baggage and you still feeling a wound from what somebody said to you and did to you two, three, four, ten, you know, years ago. Yeah, you don't have to leave with that. That's unnecessary baggage that you don't have to carry. And so Jesus, he carried all that for us on the cross. And we can find healing in our hearts from the wounds and the words that people have used. When we give our hearts and put it in his hands. And so that's what Paul's had there. And then uh, they were interesting because the guys were like, Hey, you know, uh, we've heard about you and we keep hearing about people everywhere talking about these Christians and what's happening and what's going on. It's been nuts. Guys, I want you to know that so far at the end of the book of Acts, it has been almost 30 years since Jesus' resurrection. 30 years since the church established. And I think that's pretty cool that Dr. Luke, who's the one who wrote this book, Dr. Luke also wrote another book. You guys familiar with the Gospel of Luke? All right. So Dr. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. And where do we get the Christmas story from, guys? Luke, right? Lioness is quoting Luke. All right. If you've ever seen the, you know, the, the Peanuts movie. And so Luke is the only one that has the, the Christmas story, the birth story. And Luke's gospel actually documents Jesus's life from birth to death and resurrection, which covers 33 years. I don't think it's a coincidence that then Luke documents the birth and the life of the church in its first 30 to 33 years. I think that's a pretty cool, interesting thing there. And so People have, I mean, 30 years from now, this, the, the, the gospel and Christians have been really turning the world upside down. So the Jewish leaders are like, all right, Paul, we've heard about you. We're glad you're here. We haven't heard about all these rumors that they've been saying about you. But we know everyone keeps on talking about this Jesus. We, don't, we can't make sense. These are non-Christians, by the way. We can't make sense of what's happening. So Paul says, all right, how about this? You come back next week. Let's set this up and let's talk about it. So that's what we're going to pick up right now. Let's read starting verse 23 through 22. Nine. All right. So let's read it together. After the Jewish leaders had arranged the day with Paul to meet again, many came to him at his lodging. Remember, he's under house arrest. He can't go anywhere. From dawn to dusk or from sunrise to sunset, okay, he, Paul, expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from the law of Moses and the prophets, meaning the Old Testament. Remember, he's talking to Jewish leaders who know the Old Testament. So all he's using, his reference, is the Old Testament. That's what they know. He's trying to say, look, everything has been pointing to Jesus this whole time. He is the fulfillment of the, New Test- of the Old Testament. Some were persuaded. That means that they believed in Jesus. They were convinced that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah, and they gave their life to him. It says that some pers- were persuaded and believed what, what he said, but others, what happened? Did not believe. Disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave after Paul made this one statement. Paul says, quote, The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah, which he's going to quote the prophet Isaiah that he read something 700 years prior to this. When the prophet Isaiah said, Go to the people and say, You will always be listening but never understanding. You will always be looking but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown, what's the word? Callous. Their ears are hard of hearing. They have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart and do what? Turn. And they would turn. And what would God do? And I would heal them. If they would only turn and believe me, I would heal them. So he says in verse 28. And he's now not quoting Isaiah anymore. He says, "So therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation that God has been that God has sent to He has now sent to the Gentiles. They will listen if you won't. They will listen if you won't. All right. So." Let's look at this, all right? So what do we see here? Because there is something happening in, in this little meeting, all right? This little house meeting here. I mean, Paul got his own, you know, house arrest bracelet on. And, you know, it's, it's a situation. It's an awkward thing. And so what does, what is happening here that happens still to this day? And I'm going to angle out to you what just happened in that text that happened 2,000 years ago. It's going to happen in the next 20 to 30 minutes, I hope it happens on the right end versus the other. But what just happened there happens, it's going to happen now. Happens every Sunday, happens every day. So let's talk about that. So what do we see? Paul is just telling them the gospel. Again, guys, you got to understand, if you were waiting for good news, Right I mean, you can think of whatever good news it could be, right you put in that application right for that one dream job right you, you, you put the down payment or you, you, you put that bid on that house you're just waiting for the news to get back that yep, you got the house, yep, you got the job you you went and uh, you know took some medical tests right to find out and you were just waiting what the result was going to be right all of these things right there's a, we all know what it's like to wait I mean Christmas right now there's a lot of people who've asked for things, and now you're waiting right you're waiting for did am I going to get what I'm hoping for. Right? We all know what that's like. Guys, the Jews were waiting for some, at this point would guesstimate three, four thousand years. They've been waiting for the promised Messiah where God said, I will send someone. This is what the book of Genesis is. We talked about it last week. Genesis starts off with a fall of sin entering the world. And immediately what God does is, he doesn't look at his, you know, Adam and Eve and looking like, you just messed it up. We just got here, you know. We just started and this is what we're doing. Come on, guys. He doesn't give them that. Yes, he does give them a little reprimand, a little warning. But he gives this sense of hope that I am going to do something that will fix everything. I will do something that is going to make everything right again. All you have to do is trust me, believe, hang, follow me, and I will do the rest. That's what pretty much what it is. And they were waiting for hundreds, thousands of years for this promised Messiah to happen. And then Jesus comes and he is the fulfillment of the Messiah. And he was not in the packaging That they were expecting. Jesus was the real deal. And they said, nah, Jesus is a fake Messiah. He's not real. Because of their own prejudice and preferences. They were wanting a Messiah that would show up. And they were wanting one that would create a geopolitical powerhouse in the world. In which God would take the people of Israel. And help them to be a blessing to the nations. By creating a new world order kind of a thing. All right. I'm not going to get into Kanye West today, all right? So, but, uh, you know, it's, it's little similar situation, okay? And so, all right, so the thing is that that's what they were waiting for. They were waiting for this Messiah to overthrow Rome, overthrow Caesar, to conquer the world, and to bring peace, to bring hope, restoration. Because they believed in this God. They believed that he was a good God. So they were waiting for this Messiah. Here comes Jesus on Palm Sunday. They welcome him. And give him a hero's welcome. The the Palm Sunday, if you don't know what that is, I mean, the way that they're doing it was a celebration. They were expecting Christ. And they were welcoming him in like a conquering king. And he doesn't do it. Seven days later, they turn. Seven days, you know, the Jewish leaders turn on him. And then we're done. They try to get get rid of him. Because the people were believing. Oh, this is the one. But the Jewish leaders were like, this guy is going to threaten everything that we built. He's a threat to our establishment, to our power. This isn't the Messiah. This is a false one. So they got rid of him. And so the Jews have been waiting. And so what Paul was trying to do is guys saying, guys, the news, no, it's here. Literally what you have been waiting for. It's him. All right. He is him. This is the one. It was Jesus. He's the one we've all been waiting for. Right. This is the guy. Some of them, their eyes were open like you saw and they believed, they couldn't, they, they couldn't imagine, oh my gosh, that was it and we missed it and they were so grateful. I don't know about, I don't know about you guys, but think about that. How would you feel? How would you feel if you were rejected and cast off and written off? You know, you're gonna come back and you'd be like, told you, you know, right? And you would feel really, oh man, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, And these guys were panicked when they thought, wait a minute, God gave us the Messiah and we killed him? What is God? Is there any hope for us? Yes, this is how much God loves you. That even though you rejected him, he died on the cross to be able to accept any and everyone who believes in him despite what you've done. This is an amazing, a loving God, guys. And so some believed, but some didn't because they were like, no, no, this can't be. No, no, this can't be. No, the the, the king, the the Messiah we want is, is he's not going to be murdered by Rome. He's not going to, no, he's gonna, no, this, this, this can't be. And then in, when Paul quotes Isaiah, we see really a big problem because we got, we see two groups of people, right? What are the two groups of people? One who rejected, the gospel, one who rejected who Jesus was and one who received it. Let's look at why those first, that one group rejected. He quotes Isaiah in helping us to understand what happened, what went wrong. And guys, I want you guys to understand that the reason why they rejected Jesus was not because they couldn't believe it. It's because that they wouldn't. It's a difference, guys, and I want you guys to understand because now I'm I'm gonna go ham on y'all. I'm gonna lean in because this is the problem where you and I have. Me too. We all have tendencies, and you right now, as you're listening online too, I see. You know, God sees you even though I can't. Listen, you and I, you and I, a lot of times we don't respond to the truth of God because it's not because we can't. It's because we don't want to. We're still stubborn. We're stubborn. We don't want to respond to that because we know what that's going to. Maybe if, if I respond to that, man, that's a, that's a lot of autonomy I got to give up. That's going to change my life if I respond like that. Exactly. Exactly it's going to change your life. It's supposed to. And so, but this group could not respond because they wouldn't respond. And he's, Isaiah said, well, do you guys remember what was, what's wrong with their heart? How did Isaiah quote? You have a what kind of a heart? A calloused heart. I don't know about some of you guys, you got calluses on your hands, you got calluses on your feet, right? That's that's like man hands, right? When you got those, right? You do some pull-ups and you do some working out, do some things, right? What is calluses, right? It's when the skin is so tough. Why? Because it's just been worked and worked and worked and worked. And there's no, it's numb, right? You lose sensation. You can poke it. You can pick it. You can, right, stab it. Some of y'all like to do that stuff. You know, weird. All right. Okay, some of y'all like to do that, and so and you don't feel it, right? It's you're numb to it, you know. If you shake my hands, listen, I got soft hands. It's because my wife says, listen, you can't touch me with a And so I was like, man, I'm out here with a pumice stone, All I'm right? like, oh my gosh. And so, and so I I I got soft hands. Don't get it twisted. All right, don't get it twisted. I got, all right, I got soft hands for a reason, but. The, the, the callous though, I know it says callous and, and, you know, we go numb to it. So they had a calloused heart, meaning they were numb to God. But it's not really so much callous. And I understand it could mean callous, but there's a better translation that I like that I want to highlight for you guys. Uh, the, the Hebrew word of, for this calloused heart actually means a fat heart. Your heart's too fat. Now, when something being fat, what it's meaning is it's too full. Your heart is too full. There's no more room for the truth of God in you. Your heart is too full. And the thing, guys, that, and what is it full of? It's full of what is fake. It is full of the lies of this world. It is full of their preferences. It's full of their pride. They are full of themselves. This group is so full of themselves that there's no room for the truth of God in their heart at all. And so the, the, the danger, guys, that I want you guys to understand is this. Listen, if you are full on what is fake, you'll never have room for what is real. If your life is full with what is fake, you will never have room for what is real. All right? I highlighted this morning a cousin of mine. Um, this morning, uh, Danny Save that I, re- I read his devotional on the Bible app this morning, which was pretty cool. So I got to hype on now another family member. Yesterday, uh, my aunt, she got her doctorate degree yesterday, and so she's here this morning. And so, all right, give it up, give it up. And so um, she, we were talking yesterday, and she was, uh, my, my uncle was telling me, uh, they were having this conversation, and she was like, you know, had this, um, you know, I forget what the context was, but they were thinking about Christmas and how Jesus, there was, how you guys know the story, you guys know the song, there's no room for Jesus in any of the inns, in any of the homes. And so Jesus is left with being born where? In a barn, right? In a, in a, in a stable somewhere. Because there was no room for him in any of the houses. Now, were these people wicked people? Was there, were they being prejudiced towards Bethlehem, these two people from Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph? Were they being, no, no. no. Did they know what they were doing? Did they know that these Jewish people were rejecting the Messiah? No. They were just like, listen, dog, I got my cousins here. I got my aunt. I got my I got my stepparents here. I got no room, bro. So, and, and, you know, maybe for some of you, know, I, you know, I Airbnb'd this out. I got this room out, this room out. I, I'm sorry. So we had some well-intentioned people that they rejected Jesus without meaning to, right? But there was no room. And so God always had a room. And I I, I love the conclusion in the sense of that even when it looks like there's no way, God made a way. And there was a space that God had provided. God's plan always fulfills itself. But guys, this is the same thing. What happened in the Christmas story still happens every single day. It's happening right here when we're reading it. These guys cannot fill and they cannot receive the truth of God because their heart is too full on what is fake know what that's, you all know what, what, what that's like, that feeling to be so full that you can't even take, a, uh, take, take another bite. You ever done that, right? Maybe Thanksgiving for some of us, right? When you just eat so much, right? And you eat so much and you just look at that not, that one fry, right? That one more spoonful. You'll be like, no, I can't. <laughs> I can't, right? Not even a sip of water. Have you ever been that full that you don't even, you can't even do another sip of water, not of this, not of that? Why? Because you feel like you're going to explode, right? Just one more bite, I'm going to get sick. Guys, that's the thing. Your heart can actually be so full of the things of this world that when God wants to offer the very thing that you need and the very thing that you want and the very thing that you've been waiting for, you mean, be like, no, I, I, I can't. I'm too full. That's what these people did. That's what these people did. And guys, you and I do the same thing as well. You and I wake up every single day empty. Think about it. Physically, you wake up empty. Some of y'all got to eat within the first five minutes. Let's be real, right? Or else you're just hangry the rest of the day, right? You you, you wake up needing something, right? Maybe for some of us, it's medicine. I got to get up. I got to take medicine. Maybe I got to eat something. I got to drink coffee, right? I got to do something. You wake up empty. First off, you got to breathe. Why? Because you don't got that system in you. You're literally all of your existence right now is you're dependent on something outside of you. There is nothing about your own body that can sustain itself. You need external substance. And we can fill ourselves up easy with, and I was talking to Alicia yesterday. It was crazy on, guys, we were discussing this about even money. How crazy is it that if you can, if you can afford it, you, you, you tend to not sweat it as much, right? If you can handle your problems by just, all right, just right, I'm hungry. Paid for it. I'm bored. Paid for it. I'm this. Paid for it. I want to go somewhere. Go. It's very easy to be happy in this world, but yet still be empty. Guys, and that's the danger that I want to help you guys, because I I don't know your heart like that. I don't know your heart like that, but I know that if you keep filling your heart up with what is fake, you will never be able to respond to what is real. And the scriptures actually says there is a possibility of a point of no return for some people when they're just so full and their habit is so this much that they will always reject and never receive the very loving arms of a God that is right in front of them. And they're just like, no, thank you. I'm done. That's happened. And it it really doesn't matter. Guys, you know, look at the irony here. He is pointing evidence. Look at the Old Testament. Here's Jesus. And the other one, this is why I brought up the two figureheads. Remember at the beginning? They got in a boat that had the figureheads of the sons of Zeus. Well, interesting, guys. This is a detail that maybe I I passed over at first, but I look back. Guys, look. These two gods actually are considered to be gods that would protect uh, sailors at sea. Some of y'all, if y'all were here last week, there's a little bit of irony there because the last two weeks we've been talking about how literally Paul and 270 some odd ship crew members they were at sea for a bit and they almost died at sea because of this violent storm. And Paul says that my God, the God that I serve, Jesus, He will deliver us. He will help us, and it's going to happen like this, like this, like this. And it happened. And then they were there for three months. These same people who saw God deliver them in the boat, deliver them at sea. They were there when they saw Paul get bit and not die. They were there when they saw supernatural healings that you can't make sense of. They were there when they were seeing God move on the island for three months. And they were at, you know, on that boat for a minute. Only for at the end of the three months as they're about to go off on a ship again, out in open sea. What do they don't do? They don't go and they don't say to the one true God, Jesus Christ, Lord, we ask and we commission you, you know, give us safe passage. Give us safe journey to Rome. What do they do? Oh, sons of Zeus, protect us as we head out into this new journey. They saw all of, they witnessed all of this with their own eyes and still instead of responding to an actual God who really saved them in the midst of a storm at sea, they settled for two idols, two fake gods. Save us, protect us. We trust in you. You see the irony there? It's not irony, it's idiocy. Like, oh my gosh. But guys, I'm sorry you and I do the same thing here still today. When we see God do this in our life and God do this in our life, and we're like, all right, thanks God. And now we put my faith in money, my faith in here, my faith in there. But when I need God, you run to God. And then when he's done, all right, thank you. Now my faith is here again and my focus is here over here. Guys, we all have that same tendency to do that. And what what do we see here? Do we not see when Isaiah, he's quoting Isaiah 700 years earlier. Do we not see a God who is desiring to say, over here, I'm right here. This is, I am what you need. I will heal your heart. But we still have a people. Now we're like, "Nah, it's okay. I, I got enough. Thank you. I have enough. Versus getting to this understanding and realizing Jesus is enough. Guys, I, there's nothing wrong with the other things that I said a minute ago. There's nothing wrong with finding joy and happiness in activities and stuff and things. There's nothing wrong with, with doing these things. But it's in the end, what is your ultimate source? And I'm going to come up to that in a second. We're going to see that, Paul, in a minute. And so that's the war, that, that's the, the difficult part. I C.S. Lewis, I love I, every time I get a chance to put this quote in there, I just love it because it hits hard. C.S. Lewis says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, they're too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition with, when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Catch that? We are far too easily pleased. And then this is, I got to tell this to myself. I'm preaching this to me. I'm preaching this to you. I'm preaching this to all you guys. You and I are too easily pleased that we will settle for the things of this world rather than the maker of this world. We are too easily pleased. Because it is hard for us to imagine all that God offers us. I understand that. But that's part of the mystery that we get to dive into and swim in. And so what do we see? So we see the first group that did what? They rejected. Why? Their hearts were too full. But then we did see another group. And what did they do? They actually did turn, right? They turned. They heard. They saw. They turned. And what happened? Well, what Isaiah said, if you turned, I would heal you. And these guys were healed. And I'm not talking about physical healing, guys. The the healing that he is talking about here is spiritual one. You are healed of a sick heart. And that's what sin is. You have a sick heart. Guys, that happens all the time today. If somebody has a a kidney failure, right? Or or a heart failure, what happens? You need a transplant, right? Why do you need a transplant? Because the original is a... It's done, right? That's, your original is over, right? There's no resurrecting that guy. You need a transplant. You need someone else's heart. You need someone else's liver. Guys, you and, I have a, you and I are born with a sick heart. And we need another one. We need God's. In fact, in the Old Testament, over and over again, God says, I will give you a new heart. Interesting enough, what was the last wound that Jesus received on the cross? But a spear into the side close to the heart, right? And out of the side, just like Adam, where did Eve come from? His side. Out of the side of Adam came a bride. And out of the side of Christ came his bride, the church, a family. That's what happened. That's what Jesus experienced. He gave his heart so we could have that heart. So that we could have new life. And that's what happens here, guys. And when you have the heart of God, you're, you're not a better person, all right? You, you don't go from a bad person to a good person. You go from dead to living, alive, alive. That's what happens. That's what we saw these group of people. That's what happened to Isaiah. If you read the beginning of Isaiah, Isaiah had a turn. There was a king who, the king Uzziah there, the Jewish king was dead. And he has a vision of the king of kings, God, on the throne. And he sees and he, he realizes, oh my gosh, look at God. And then he says, oh my gosh, woe is me. I am a sinner and my people are of unclean lips. I mean, he is petrified, sick to his stomach of his sin compared to God. And what does he do? But he turns his heart towards God. He doesn't run, but he surrenders. And God heals him, forgives him, and then gives him this word, gives him a mission. Paul had that. These people have that. Guys, we have that too. In fact, I want to read one more verse from you. Because when you get this new heart Alright, now you are alive for the first time. And, And I always like to say that there's so many of us, I know I was there. I was so dead inside at one point in my life, I wanted to do anything that just made me feel alive, even if it was just for a second. We all, some of us know what that's like. I was so dead inside, I would do whatever that would just make me feel alive, but that feeling would go away. But when you found and when I found Jesus, that's a different li- that, that's a different high that doesn't go down necessarily. There is a there is a life that is there, but there's maintenance. There's some things that go beyond that, guys. And so, what do we see? A new heart is filled with joy. It is filled with love, and it is overflowing. But it should be continual. And Paul experienced this, guys. I mean, look, he's been through it for years and yet Paul is always forgiving. How was Paul able to forgive? How was all Paul able to stay positive? How was Paul able to have this life? Is because he has a new heart that is being filled with God. And guys look, in jail, by the way, I talked to, I said a minute ago how, when he wrote Romans. Do you guys know that in jail, he wasn't done? In jail, the, the love of God that was in him was overflowing so much that while in prison in Rome, he wrote the book of Ephesians, he wrote the book of 2 Timothy, he wrote Colossians, he wrote Philemon and Philippians. In prison under house arrest. Instead of woe is me, woe is me, his heart was so overflowing with life, overflowing with love, overflowing with the power of God, even in the difficult circumstances with disappointment and struggle and pain. He writes all of these words. And some of you guys know Philippians. And Philippians is one I want to show you a verse in. Because the book of Philippians actually shows us what a filled heart looks like when it is filled with God. When it is filled with the truth of God. The book of Philippians show us what a filled heart looks looks like that has turned to Christ. If I look, let me show you, can we put the first, uh, look at these first verses when he starts in the chapter. Philippians, not four. Do you have Philippians one? Or not? If not, I'll just read it. You just have Philippians 4? All right, take that off. I'm going to read Philippians 1. So Philippians 1, let me just read this one, 12 through 20. Listen to the overflow of of what's in his heart. By the way, Scripture says, out of your words, determine what's in your heart. So check this out. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, what? Imprisonment, false accusations, beating, shipwreck, all of these things, what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole Roman imperial guard and everyone else that my imprisonment is because i am in christ most of the brothers he's talking about christians here most of the brothers have gained confidence in the lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fear fearlessly oh and to be sure some preach christ out of envy and rivalry but others out of goodwill they, these preach out of love Knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel, those others they proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. But what does it matter? What does it matter? And that's the because it doesn't matter. Only that in every way, whether false motives or true, Christ is being proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. There's again the overflow of His love. He's there's so positive. What what God is doing in His life is so positive. Dude, no got room for the negative. You hear me on that? He don't got room for the negative in here. He says, I rejoice and yes, I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers to help from the spirit of Jesus Christ. So guys, look, for everything that if it would happen to us, you and I would be like, listen, I hate my life because of this. I hate my life because of that. I hate my life because of this. I hate, hate, here, here, here. I got a list, right? Some of y'all got some good receipts, all right? And we keep some receipts of all the crap and all the drama and all of this. And man, so-and-so said this. Could you believe so-and-so said that? Oh my God. You know, we got receipts. And, we, th- and we, we thrive on the drama, right? We thrive on the negative. It's entertaining, right? That's why so many of those shows and things, it's all full of just, just again, drama, bickering, this, could you believe? Ah, mm, mm, uh, why? It's Deep down inside, we love to see people just eat each other. Think about that. We, how much of entertainment today is based off of just us watching others tear each other apart and be like, yeah. That's like the modern day Coliseum. Put the rope, put, put gladiators and let them be torn apart by each other. Put, put people and let them be ripped apart by lions and animals. We do the same thing and we turn on the TV to watch people rip each other apart. And we give them our ratings and we give them our approval. It happens. Some of you will be like, man, now I can't watch that show anymore. Good. All right. Good. It's the same thing. There's no difference, guys. There's no difference between the two. But look at Paul here. Paul's like, listen, man, look, I know I'm in prison, but man, everything negative that has happened to me has actually caused me to grow closer to God. And everything negative that has happened to me has actually helped others to grow closer to God. Could you imagine what your life would be like if everything negative that happened to you, you asked, God, how can you make this? How can you use this for your glory? I didn't get the news that I wanted I didn't get the diagnosis. I didn't get that job. I didn't get this. Wait a minute. You mean I got fired? Wait a minute. I got sick? Is this, What? Like how is this? Could you imagine if you looked at every negative and said, Lord, use this because I'm not. <laughs> like I don't know what to do with this. He says, listen, the whole imperial guard, everyone in Rome knows about Jesus. And even the Christians are encouraged by the way that they're seeing me live through difficulties. They are even more emboldened. And yeah, look, there's some Christians out there that are, they're talking crap. They were actually talking bad about Paul. There were some people that were saying, yeah, you know, the reason Paul's in prison is because, you know, he wasn't listening to the Holy Spirit, and he wasn't doing this, and he hadn't leveled up in the spirit. I mean, these super apostles out there just talking smack. And they're saying, yeah, there's a super, there's a sense of supernatural ability that you can be in and live in, that nothing bad will happen to you. And if you're in the negative, that means that you are not doing things right. Because a, a believer ought to be, everything should, you know, healthy, wealthy, happy. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? And so, so this, this still gets peddled today. Still gets peddled today. And if something bad is happening to you, because that's something wrong with you. It's not God's fault. It's yours. But it's not the case. Here we see that even negative results, things can happen to you that are uncomfortable. They're not what you want. It's not ideal. And yet, apparently, God says, I want to use that for my glory and for your good. I know that diagnosis is not what you wanted here. I know this life is not the one you expected. But I got I can use this. I can use this. So that's when he says, "Listen, I don't care. I know what they're I know they're talking bad about me. I don't care." Guys, could you imagine what it's like to have your heart so full of light that when people talk bad about you or say things to you, you're like, "Yo, I don't got time to waste on that because of what I have inside." Some of y'all would like, I would love to know how that feeling. Well, turn to Christ. It is, I know it sounds as simple as that, but it is as simple as that. You turn to him and let him heal your heart. Let him heal your heart from the disappointments and from this and that. But ultimately, let him heal your heart from guilt. There's only one thing that can remove the guilt that you should feel towards your own sin. And that is the love of God he can heal you from guilt. He can heal you from regret. When you look at yourself and be like, no, God, you can't use me. I've done too much. You can't use me, God. I'm doing too much. I'm doing too much. I'm not doing enough what I should be. I'm doing too much of the opposite. Well, then turn again. (laughs) Like, then keep turning then. If If you're still coughing, keep turning until you see your soul healed But you shouldn't discount yourself to that. Turn and be healed. This is what it's like, guys, to be able to truly lean in. So now can we put Philippians 4. Look at this one. This one's one we all all know. This one, Philippians 4, 11 and 12. He says at the end of this case he's making about what God is and what he's done. He says, I know how to make do with little. And I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstance, I have learned the secret of being happy. I have learned the secret of true joy in this world. And what is the secret? Whether I'm well fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yet still you did well in partnering with me. That is the ultimate one. I love the t-shirt that says Philippians 4. It says, I can do all things through Christ with a verse out of context. I love that t-shirt. I can do all things in Christ with a verse out of context. Because we all look at that verse and think, all right, cool. I can do this. Uh, You know, uh, God, give me strength to accomplish this goal. Give me strength to accomplish this vision. Give me strength to do this task. That's not what that means. That's not how it works. That's not what he's talking about. You just can't say, I got got a dream. I got ambitions. I got goals. And God is going to give me the strength. No, he's not. Cause that's not what that is. That's not what that's for. It's not. The f- context of that verse said what? Remember at the very beginning, he was like saying, "Listen, man, I'm happy." He's talking to the Philippians. Man, my heart is full. I, I got my plate is full. My plate is full with situations. I'm in house arrest, my plate is full. But my heart is full with Christ. And so when I've learned the secret to be happy, that it doesn't matter how much I have, it doesn't matter how little I have, I can do all things through Christ who makes me strength. What is the all things? He just said it. I know how to be happy no matter how much or how little I have. That's the verse. That's the verse. I know how to be happy even if things in my life aren't great. And I know to be happy even when things aren't. My happiness is not determined by how much money I have. If your happiness goes up when, you, when, you, when your stack goes up, nah, you, you strength, nah the, your strength is not Christ. Your strength is cash. Cash is your strength. If, if your happiness and peace go up when your cash goes up, that's where, that's where you're going to your strength from. When things are going good in your life, that's when you're happy that, is, Christ is not giving you strength. The things of this world are filling your heart up and it's fake. Paul says, man, I have learned to be happy no matter what. I can, and if I can be happy, regardless of my circumstances, what can't I do? Okay, that's a superpower. That is a superpower, to be happy no matter how much or how little you have. And so for some of you, online for some of you, you probably have a lot. And I want you to know that, yeah, it makes you happy. And if these things make you happy and you have a lot, could you imagine the joy that can be found when you shift your substance to Jesus and not Benjamin? All right? Look at the difference. And for some of you, you have too little. This is why the prosperity gospel is so big. Because there's a lot of poor people in this world. And there's a lot of people who just want life to be better, life to be easier. And I get it. There's some real pain and real struggle. There's some people who are sick, don't want to be sick. So they, they, they get hyped up on, like, well, you know, I, I, I don't have to live this way anymore. Those are people trying to peddle heaven on earth too early. Heaven, we're going to experience all that. All that in heaven. There's some people that are promising you heaven too soon. And that's fake. It's fake. It's not real. But instead, there is, I want you to know, maybe you have too little. Maybe you don't have enough friends. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough peace. You don't have enough hope. You have no ambition. You can still have hope. You can still find joy if you have Jesus, no matter how much or how little you have. And no devil and no demon can change that. Only you can, depending on where you place your trust. So you got to ask yourself which one of the two are you going to be? Are you going to be the ones who are you going to reject God, or are you going to be the one to turn? And that has to be all the time, guys. Did you guys remember? Let's see if you remember. Do you guys remember what time of day? How long were these Jewish leaders at Paul's house? I gave you a time frame. All day. When did it start? Sunrise. And they left the house at sunset. They started leaving his house when he called them out and they left. And what time of it? What was was outside looking like when they left? It was dark. Guys, I want you to know that that is the trajectory of an unbeliever. That is the trajectory of of a lot of people in this world. Where they are in this time of light. But they are heading towards darkness. They are heading towards a future that is growing darker. And these people were shown the light of Jesus. And yet they rejected it. And look at the irony. That they were presented the light in the light. But the more that they rejected, the more darker it became outside. Because of the darkness that was in their hearts. They left in the cover of darkness, those who rejected Jesus. Not only was it dark outside, but it still was dark inside. That's the trajectory of an unbeliever. But ironically, when you look at Genesis, when God said on day one, he said this. And and it was day one. He said this. And on day two, he said this. You know, we get a trajectory of uh, the movement of the, the cosmos. You know, it, it, it says, and it was evening and morning, day one. Do you guys know that? That's not, not a Mandela effect, okay? I want you to know that, all right? When you look at Genesis, it says, the day started in darkness and ended in light. That was Genesis. Why? Because those who receive the breath of life, we, we are in a time of darkness, yet we are moving towards a future of light. That is the trajectory of those who turn to God. You are moving from dark to light. And that's what it should be in our life. Not only when we turn to God, we turn to the light. But then we're supposed to constantly return. This is why Paul always says, walk in that light. Don't just look at that light and then walk in the other direction. All right? That's, you can't do that. You can't look to the light and walk in the other direction. No. It is a turn of a heart. It is the turn of the mind. And it is a turn of your life. That happens when that happens. And so, guys, I want you to understand, I'm, I'm playing Paul here today. I'm the one trying to show you who Jesus is and what's fake and what's not. I'm, I'm playing Paul. All of you guys are playing the Jewish leaders here. How many of you will turn to Christ and how many will just, ah, I'm too full. Ah, you know, that didn't inspire me enough, you know. I didn't, I didn't feel the, the hairs in the back of my head move, Pastor. So uh, I'm going to move on to the next guy. I don't know. And that's not my goal. My goal anyways. But which one are we going to be, guys? Are you going to turn to what is real or are you going to turn to what is fake? And now to, to give you one more turnaround to give you an image to walk away with. Which is your favorite Christmas tree? Do you like real ones or fake ones? All right, some of you guys, this can be a heated debate. It can be a heated debate on which ones are better, real trees or Christmas trees. I'm not trying to go there. All right? They both have their pros and cons. But let me ask you this question. Instead of what's your favorite tree, fake, and I know you don't like trees, but fake or <laughs> fake or real trees, let me ask you a question. Which one are you? Are you a fake tree or are you, a, are you a real one? Are you a fake tree or are you a real one? Here's the thing. Real trees need what? Real trees need water. Real trees need to still be filled. I have a real tree. I've been doing it for a couple of years. I've, I, when we bought it, I filled it up. To the brim, but guess what? I still got to fill it again. Why? Because it's using it, right? And if I don't feed this real tree, it's gonna wither and die, right? It's still alive, but it's gonna wither and die. I have to keep filling it. I gotta give it a little food. I gotta give it this, right? Right? I gotta give it water. I gotta feed it because it's a living thing. It needs to be filled and refilled because it's alive. It's using the source that I'm giving it. What do you have to do to a fake tree? Nothing, because it's fake. Why? Fake trees don't have to be filled. Why? Because they're dead. Fake trees don't have to be filled. They're dead. Real trees have to be filled because they're alive. This is what I'm talking about, guys, when it comes to if you you are, you and I, born, we have a dead heart. And it is, dead is dead. You can poke a dead body, kick it for all the kids. It's not going to respond. Right? But, when Jesus turns a life from dead to life. Now, guys, here's the other part. You gotta, if you've turned to Christ and found life, let me challenge you. How often do you return? Because Jesus gave you a, when you turned, he gave you life. He gave you a new heart. But just like a real Christmas tree, you got to keep refilling it. Just like the gas in your car, you got to keep refilling it. Why? These are moving things. They're using the substance. Guys, the grace of God is meant for our consumption. It is used. This is the energy that we use that gives us life. Yet we are not God. We still depend on external substances. Just like your physical body, You, you depend on your external substance to survive. This is why we need to constantly return Why do we have, why does the church gather once a week, right, with that rhythm? Because it's a time of we return together to remember to return to God daily. We return weekly to remember to return daily. And often, for some of you, you got to return every five minutes, right? This is what it is. And that's fine. We all do. We all need him this much. We all need him this much. And so the first thing you want to do, guys, is when you turn to God, your, your prayer is, I need you. But then the prayer of a believer for the rest of your life is, I still need you. I need you more. I need you more. Especially when things aren't going the way that they are. But we can see Paul's life. He learned the secret. He wrote this in jail. I found the secret to true joy and peace. And it is not found in the things of this world. Having more of this world doesn't make me more happy. Having less doesn't. I am truly satisfied in Christ. That is something that is possible for each and every one of us. So guys, that's what I want us to then now challenge you to decide. Do you believe that to be true? Real? Or fake?